Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen just a heads up, everybody. Spoilers abound for the movie Skinamarink in today's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. In this house. We listen to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is a man who is losing track of the doors and windows surrounding him. <laughs> Mike Tercuccio. How are you doing, Mike? Uh, it's just an everyday struggle to remember which doors are where and when. Right. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm great. How are you? Otherwise, yeah, totally good. Uh, I am good. I am good. Uh, and, of course, that is in reference to the fact that today uh, we are going to be reviewing Skinamarink, uh, which is the new Canadian horror film, the sensation that is sweeping the nation and uh we'll be talking about it uh yeah i saw it in theaters at the roxy recently mike you watched it at home and uh yeah it sounds like it was uh uh well we'll have, we'll have more to say when we actually review it i think yes <laughs> i think it'll be uh, a fun discussion exactly but what's what's been going on in life mike decretio mike what, what are you been up to not a whole lot has been going on other than i'm still recovering from crying for an hour last night while watching the latest episode of the last of us <laughs> Yes, and that's what this podcast is going to be for the next few weeks, actually, is just going to be Last of Us recaps. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'm not against that. Uh, But yeah, The Last of Us Episode 3 aired last night as of this recording, Uh, so it'll be a few days when the episode actually comes out. But uh, yeah, episode hit me hard, man. It's really terrific. Yeah, I had, I was uh, kind of nervous and like uh, going into it because, you know, we've talked about we're big Last of Us fans, the games, all that. So like when I saw the like coming attractions for this week and saw it was like going to be the Bill and Frank episode, yeah. I was like, oh man, what what could, a lot can go wrong maybe. I don't know if like the way that is handled in the game is so interesting and like it's all implication and like you got to find a note to really get like the full details and all yeah. that stuff of their of their relationship uh, and the nature of their partnership and smugglers and stuff. So I wasn't sure what they were going to do with it. And then they decided to just do up. And I was like, yes, perfect. <laughs> or the prologue of up, I guess. Yes. Uh, and it was no, they, brought, they brought in the talking dog and the giant bird and all yeah, that stuff. And they right, yeah. float away out the balloons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was really blown away by it. Like, I really enjoyed those first two episodes of The Last of Us, but I also, at the same time, was like, this feels like maybe I could just play the game. You know, it, it, like, it, like they're direct recreations a lot of the time, and there is yeah. some added value to it. You know, you have those, like, prologues that are, like, different from what the game did, and there's a couple of extra things that the show does, and there's a couple of differences here and there, like, in the way, like, episode two introduces the idea that, like, there's a hive mind of the zombies, right? And, like, right. You touch, if you touch something in one corner, like, a mile away, a zombie could wake up and all that kind of stuff. That's new and that's cool. And you know, Tess's death was a little bit different with the thing kind of like infecting her mouth and making out with her, right? Make out zombie was a weird choice. I don't really agree <laughs> with that one, but but in general. But it, but it was different, at least. It was you know, different. That's, yeah. that's what I mean. But, uh, but for the most part, episodes one and two are like pretty faithful retellings of what happens in the game. Yeah. And episode three is very much a departure from what happens in the game. I mean, when you, and spoilers for both the game and the show, I guess. But in the sh- in the game, uh, you actually like as Joel and Ellie get to meet Bill, and uh, you know it's it seems like that some time has passed since Frank died, right? Right. Uh, and there's all this other stuff, and like, like you said, it kind of only just hints at their relationship, and really like you just kind of it's the Bill section of the game is like, oh look at this like wacky old coot who <laughs> has yeah. like the like traps everywhere. He's crazy, but also he's he's 
alive for a reason and he and Ellie are back and forth a bunch and it's very funny and they changed all that and turned it into like the most heartbreaking episode of TV I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was talking with that producer Colin about this and that section with Bill in the town is like very gamey. Like I think you're just sort yeah. of like on a fetch quest for Bill is why you're there in the game. So like yes. it makes sense that they would change that kind of thing. Um, but it is such a, a radical departure from the game, which is interesting. And I, I did see some backlash, not in the way that I thought it would be, which I thought it would be like Last of Us notorious awful gamer f- people sure. being like, how, how dare gays be in a game? Which is not what the backlash was, but that it was actually from uh, queer pre- people talking about like as not great in air quotes, the uh, representation of is of Bill and Frank is in the game. Uh, you know, it's from like was that 2008 or something or 2009 or whatever that was. 2013, I think, yeah. Is it, thir- is it that? Okay, anyway. I think I think 2013 was the Last of Us game, yeah. Probably. But, um, so, but yeah, so it's like not great now. But like at least it was, re- the argument I was saying was it was dark and, and true to the world of the game. Like it is, it would be this kind of like fucked up, not perfect relationship. And in the show, they kind of like, made it like saccharin quote unquote it's like what the person was saying and i and i i do see that i do like understand that um however i cried the whole time so like again it worked <laughs> like it worked on me um so i don't know it's, it's interesting to see the backlash in a, in a different from a different place than i thought it was going to be in um yes which is interesting uh and i think that's that's kind of the thing with the last of us in general is that it's just like interesting storytelling and and, and good basically yes. you know? there there are so many like kind of small details that get expanded upon in, yeah in the game and in the show and yeah, I, I found it to be incredibly powerful. I thought Nick Offerman especially was terrific. Um, yeah. it, it, when he was announced to be cast as Bill, I was like, perfect. That's like great <laughs> yeah. casting for like the Bill that I had in my head from the game. Uh, and then this show takes a very different direction with it, and he's still perfect. He's yep. still like just so good as Bill. And Murray Bartlett as Frank, who is on The White Lotus, um, is also terrific. They're, they're both great in this, in this episode. And it was cool to kind of like have this thing where like episode three, we're only three episodes into the show, and Joel and Ellie are taking a back seat and like. Yeah. The bulk of the episode's runtime is just Bill and Frank doing their thing. And that was pretty great. Uh, I did, I do like when producer Colin said that like, it's, you know, that section is kind of gamey. I do kind of feel that in those first two episodes when I was watching it, there's like moments where it's like, Oh, Ellie cross that beam over there. You know, like there's yeah. <laughs> stuff, stuff like that in the show where I'm like, this feels like, Oh, I, I need to like maneuver the controller so that it's like fucking <laughs> Christ. Remember that the motion sensing controls or whatever, you know? And, yeah. and it just kind of, it takes me out of the show a little bit. And so to, it's a completely outmaneuver that in this episode. I thought was pretty great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I do. But I'm, I'm fully a sucker for like, you know, in episode one in the in the uh like the outbreak section of this episode uh where it is just recreating joel tommy and sarah driving out of the town in the oh yeah and that was ter- that was terrific i thought and yeah. it's just shot for shot the game and i was like yeah i'm fucking in i don't care yeah. like this is working for me a lot <laughs> i have uh, seen the story several times and i will see it again <laughs> yeah correct i will keep enjoying it um so i've been last of us has been fun yeah, I, I've been really enjoying the show. Again, we're only three episodes in. I think it's going to be a nine-episode season. And it has been renewed for season two. And it seems like season two will be The Last of Us Part Two, the game. Yeah, um, I, saw, I think they said they cast Abby or are going to cast Abby or something. Okay, right? I, I, don't, I don't think they've announced who the, uh, cast Abby if they have cast Abby yet. No, I think you're right. Just that um, it was a season two is happening, yeah. Yeah, and and I, and they, I think they have said like Last of Us Part Two might take place over like a couple of seasons, like two seasons, because that is that is a massive game. And there is kind of a perfect like kind of halfway breakoff point in that game to yes, do there like is. 
something in season two and then something in season three, right? But I I was actually curious about that because I was like, oh, if that means they're doing the entire first game in this season. Right. Um, and I, I was kind of surprised by that, honestly. Like, I, I think I think they could, I, I think it's good that they're not drawing it out, like stretching it out or whatever, but I could see a situation where, like, the entire season is, like, you know, the, the, they could do several seasons that's just, like, Joel and Ellie trying to make it to the Fireflies and it could be, like, an anthology show where every episode is, like, kind of dropping in on a different story like they did with episode three. Right. Um, but uh, they seem to not be doing that. I think it will still be kind of that anthology show thing where like it's sort of different characters every episode and all that. But I think uh, by like they're going to complete the game by the end of season one, which is pretty crazy. That's pretty great. Honestly, if you think about it, because I think that takes it takes place over a year and maybe not even that much like the in-game story. Something like, like nine months or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. I'm excited next week in the, the trailers. It looks like Melanie Linsky is in it. Yeah. Pump for that. Very Pump for that. Uh, so that's exciting. And yeah, it's, it's cool to see like, you know, some efficient storytelling adaptation stuff where it's just like, all right, here we go. We're like going to hit all the beats. We're going to tell the right. story in nine episodes. Cause I didn't want, I was afraid it would turn into like a walking dead thing where it's just like, we're walking to Wyoming for eight <laughs> seasons or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> and that could, and it could very easily have turned into that. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad they're, they're avoiding that. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the last of us episode three, which aired last night again, as of this recording. And who knows, maybe every episode from here on out until the end of the season, we might just do like a quick last of us recap. <laughs> I mean, because why? Because why not? Right? Yeah. I did find I did find out today that uh, the season finale of The Last of Us is scheduled to air on the same night as the Oscars, and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> quite wow. frankly, um, but I will have to figure that out when the time comes. I guess. I, I, also, the Super Bowl is coming up too. But luckily. Oh, actually, l- luckily for uh, both the Super Bowl and the Oscars in Montana, at least they air like two or three hours earlier than they do on the East Coast because they all air live. Right. So True. It's, it's it's more like instead of starting at six o'clock or instead of starting at eight o'clock for the Oscars or whatever, it starts at six. You know, so I have like if they're over by nine thirty, I can still squeeze in the last. of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do remember. I mean, I guess I don't know for sure the schedule stuff, but I do remember like when Game of Thrones was on, like they would skip certain Sundays when it would be like, oh, that's true. It's Memorial yes. Day or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I'll, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like the Oscars is the same as like Memorial Day. <laughs> no, I was thinking more of the Super Bowl. They might skip that week. They might skip the Super Bowl. You're right. In, in which case, the finale would be the week after the Oscars. So we, we'd all be fine. That, Who knows? Be, that'd be good. But yeah, I do remember. Uh, I, I very specifically remember uh, the second to last episode of Breaking Bad was on at the same night as the Emmys, uh, <laughs> and it's and it's the one time that I like. <laughs> turned away like I was watching the Emmys live and like when it turned nine o'clock or whatever time it was I switched over to AMC watched you know the hour and a half episode of Breaking Bad and then came back to watch the last half hour <laughs> you're the only human alive that would sweat that kind of thing Mike I'm yeah, very I, proud oh, I was I was very uh, nervous about it <laughs> like, I, I finished the episode just in time to watch Breaking Bad win an Emmy is uh, is what happened <laughs> And I was like, well-deserved. Bravo, yes. (laughs) But yeah, there you go. So that's The Last of Us, episode three. And speaking of Oscars, I do want to talk some Oscar nominations before we get into uh, Skin and Marink, because those just got announced this past week. Before we do that, I'm going to tell you that all the theme songs that you're going to hear this episode uh, were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at kylespodcastthemes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Mac V, whose art you can find at Fearless Guard on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us and respond to someone did in the show, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. And now, let's talk Oscar nominations. Should we call this film news? Should we make Kyle uh, drop a film news theme song in there? Dig up that bumper? Go ahead. Should we do it? All right. It's time for film news. Hi. It's time for. What? It's time for.
right, yeah. So uh, the Oscar nominations came out this past week, uh, this past Tuesday. So it was the day after we recorded our last podcast, uh, which was the Animal Kingdom pop star episode. Mike D, you are somebody who doesn't really follow this stuff uh, all that much, but I do make you watch the Oscars every year. Yes. <laughs> for, for the podcast, for the purposes of this podcast. And so were you paying attention to the Oscar nominations when they were announced? Did you take a look at them? Uh, what do you think? Um, I wasn't following them live. Do they still do that? I remember one year they like streamed them on Twitter or something. Yes. Shit like that. They, that was, uh, I think you're thinking of the Golden Globes. Um, no, no, like oh, the no, nominations. Uh, okay. Yes, no, the actual nominations. Yes, they do still do them live. Um, cool. And they, it used to be like, uh, now, now I think it's mostly online. Um, but I, at, like, it used to be like you have to turn on ABC at 5.30 in the morning to right. catch the Oscar nominations or whatever. Now it's just all available online. And I, I actually typically in years past have watched them live when they air at like, you know, 5.30 or whatever it was. But I used to host a morning show. Uh, and so right. I was awake at that time. Uh, and so I was watching them. Uh, now I slept now this year I slept through them and uh, just woke up and saw the nominations and kind of peruse them on my phone and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, so I didn't, I didn't watch them live, but I did see them on Twitter after the fact, mostly because like half of my Twitter feed is like Michelle Yeoh news stuff now <laughs> um, sure. just because of the algorithm. Sense. So yeah, I saw a bunch of that. Uh, I was very excited for those. I was also of course looking for any triple R stuff, which nice. At least they got one. They got know? one. Got Natu Natu in there, which is great. That's all that matters. Hopefully they perform it live. They uh, better. That, that'd be so much fun. So yeah, but I, but I, I'm interested in your overall take because I really only looked at you know the main categories. I didn't look at sure. a ton of the stuff. It was only like, oh, there's Michelle Yeoh, there's Triple R, there's Top Gun Maverick. Cool. Um, yeah. Checking it out, but I, I didn't like take a real deep, close look. Yeah, no, I uh, I think I was kind of pleased with for the most part with these nominations. I mean, there's a couple that I like I wouldn't have personally nominated. Like Elvis is nominated for a bunch of awards. And yeah, I, I wasn't that. I wasn't the g- biggest fan of that movie. But uh, you know, the, the Oscars aren't about the best in film, even though that's what they like claim to be. It's more like I, I like to think of the Oscars as like a snapshot of the cultural moment. Like these are the movies that people are talking about the most, and people have been like kind of like des- decided like define what culture was in 2022 or whatever. And I think that makes it a little bit more fun uh, in in that regard, at least. Uh, it also helps just like I don't like get mad when something I like loses or whatever. It's just, right. You know, eh, it's all it's all a big party. But I think the nominations for the most part are pretty solid. Uh, there are 10 Best Picture nominees. I've seen eight of them. Uh, I have not seen Women Talking yet, uh, which I will be this weekend. Uh, the Roxy started playing it this week. Uh, and I've not seen All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, which surprised me by getting in. Um, yeah, that was, the, the I think, the biggest surprise for me. Well, I guess no, yeah, it was all quiet on the Western Front for sure. Uh, yeah. It was the biggest surprise. Um, you have seen that one, right? Because I have seen it, which is surprising. Um, <laughs> and two, yeah, just sort of like random out of nowhere. And I think it's also nominated for international pick, best international film, right? I believe that is true. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird movie to pick to double dip on um, for the Oscars <laughs> this year. Um, and what was I going to say about that? I don't know. It's interesting, you know, thinking about a snapshot of our like, cultural moment and really who's at the forefront of our culture this year, if not Andrea Riseborough, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Andrea Riseborough, uh, causing controversy in the uh, in the academy so have they announced what what illegal quote-unquote illegal thing she did no i mean so basically here's what happened and it's it's really dumb um yeah. but basically andrea riseborough is nominated for her performance in two leslie a movie that we have all seen uh and really truly a movie i had not heard about until like two weeks ago yeah. uh, i've heard i've heard it actually is pretty good and i've heard she's great at it. um but basically what happened is that uh, i think that she funded her own awards campaign or 
or if not funded, like at least like asked her famous friends to tweet about the movie, uh, uh-huh. which they did. And so like several like famous people, I forget which ones, but like a few famous people like tweeted about the movie to Leslie. And, uh, you know, it was like, oh, for your consideration, you know, and, and it was all roughly like the same tweet. Like there maybe like be a couple of words here and there, but you could tell it was like mostly copy and pasted like this little film with a big heart. Was, yeah. Like, a phrase that was in like four or five different people's tweets. Incredible. <laughs> and so as but as a result of that kind of campaign uh, for this, again, the very small movie that nobody has really seen, uh, Andrea Riceboro got a nomination for Best Actress. And there, that's really like, that's what the name of the game is as far as getting nominated for Oscars. It's like, hey, you, if you want to campaign, campaign for yourself. That's sort of how it works. Uh, and, you know, there, there's other like way more backhanded under like seedy things that like other people have done to get nominations in the past. I mean, Harvey Weinstein especially was like somebody who was very well known for that. You know, right. just like, <laughs> like throwing lavish parties and bribing Academy members and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, it's uh, the controversy surrounding it, I think, is dumb. I, I'm kind of like, yeah, good for her. She got nominated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in any given year, Andrea Riseborough is probably the best actress of the year. You That's know? the thing. She's awesome. Like, she's terrific in most things. So, I, like, <laughs> I did see a couple of tweets uh, things along the lines of, like, good luck finding her, and it was just, like, screenshots yes. of her in different movies, <laughs> how different yeah. she looks in everyone, uh-huh. um, which is great. And then I also did see, before this, I think it was even, like, a couple months ago, it was just, like, one of those random things going around on film Twitter about like if Andrea Riseborough ever looked the same in two movies, she'd be one of our biggest stars of all time. Yes. <laughs> but because she's every time I see the credits and I'm like, holy shit, Andrea Riseborough was just in this movie. I watched Yep, because of that, you know, she's got no, no hold. <laughs> yes. There's no, no star power. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it is what it is. I, I think part of the controversy too, is that there were a couple of, uh, Actresses, actresses of color that uh, could yeah. have been nominated that, uh, you know, weren't. And people are like blaming Andrea Riseborough for getting out of the last minute. And yeah, that's that's not her fault. You know, <laughs> she, right. she campaigned for the award and got in. But I know Viola Davis was like, there was talk about her getting nominated for the Woman King. And uh, there was uh, Hong Chow, I think, for the Whale. Or actually, I think she is nominated. She's in Best Supporting Actress. Um, uh, but so, somebody else there. Oh, Danielle Deadweiler for Till. I think they were also right. talking about. Uh, neither one of those got in. Although Ana de Armas got nominated for Blonde. So <laughs> there's honestly i mean she's good in the movie it's just the movie itself is not very good uh so there it is what it is but kind of the big thing is that hey michelle yo got nominated for everything everywhere all at once and that movie killed it i got like 10 nominations i think or something like that yeah Maybe 11, uh, even? 11, 11 nominations uh, for everything, everywhere, all at once. The most nominations of any movie here. And uh, I think it's going to go all the way. I think it's going to win Best Picture. I really hope so. I really hope uh, Kihui Kwan wins. That would be incredible. Yeah, he he has won like basically every award leading up to this. So I, I would be surprised if he didn't. But yeah, he is awesome in everything, everywhere. And uh, it would be great to just, yeah, it's a great comeback story. Yeah. And there's maybe what another category? Because I know uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and... Stephanie Shue are, ma- are married, are <laughs> nominated. Um, are they got nominated. married off screen, yes. Yeah, good uh, for them. Yes, they, um, they, they both got nominated, yes. But there's another category that has two people from the same movie, and I feel like that is pretty rare usually, and sure. this time it happens twice. <laughs> yes, uh, supporting actor has two from Banshee's of Inisherin. Ah, um, that was it, yes. Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keegan. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I think... That that is one of those things that uh, I think Brendan Gleeson may has may have won a couple of awards, but Kiki Kwan's won the majority of them, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Banshees might like just split the vote and Kiki Kwan will take it. Uh, I am actually curious about. I, I think the, the I think the biggest shoe in here is that I think Michelle Yeoh is probably going to win Best Actress. You think so? Uh, I mean, it's either her or Kate Blanchett, right? Right. Uh, unless like Michelle Williams like pulls an upset and like 
brings it brings it home for the Fablemans. She gets some tweets from her friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be actually incredible if Angie Riseborough tweeted her way to an Oscar. Like that would be <laughs> pretty cool. But I think the, the toughest race, I think, is the best actor race, which has five nominees, obviously, but I think three of them all have like a realistic shot at winning, uh, which are Austin Butler and Elvis, uh, Colin Farrell and Banshees, and Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Interesting. Yeah, I think I, out of those, I'd pick Colin Farrell. I haven't watched The Whale yet, and I don't really know if I want to. Lots yeah. of everything, I've, everyone that I respect that I've heard talk about it has been like, this is a fucking terrible, disgusting waste of a movie. Yeah. Except for Brendan Fraser. Um, that's that's kind of what I've heard as well. Uh, I'm going to go see The Whale this week. Uh, it is playing at the Roxy right now. It's doing very well. Um, people, are, like, people are turning out for it. And I generally like Darren Aronofsky for the most part. I yeah. love Brendan Fraser. So I hope that, but like just reading the description of it and like kind of seeing what it is, like I've seen the trailer a couple of times and I'm like, ah, this looks kind of bad. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. That's a toss up on that. Of course, I'm all aboard the Fraser sounds. But sure. Like what a shitty way to get back to the top if that's the way, you know, um, but I don't know. We'll see. I uh, would be excited for Colin Farrell to win though. Cause yeah, he's great in Banshees. Have you seen Banshees? I didn't know you, I didn't know you watched I have. it. Yes. Okay. Yes. It, it didn't make your, uh, your top 10 this year. I don't think it, it did not. And I don't, I might've mentioned it in the, uh, what's it called? Runners honorable up, mentions, honorable mentions, but I don't remember if I remembered to talk about it. Um, okay. Fair enough. But I did it, watch it, is, it. It has been talked about a lot elsewhere. So it's, I think yeah. it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been telling, trying to get my parents to watch it and they're like, you just got to watch it with subtitles. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think that's totally fair. Uh, I think, I think I may have mentioned in our top 10 that uh, my mom saw two movies this year uh, and they were Top Gun Maverick and the Banshees of Inishirin. That's all you need for a balanced movie diet. Yeah. And that's two out of 10 best picture nominees right there too. Uh, Yeah. Top Gun Maverick nominated for best picture. Also Avatar the Way of Water uh, nominated for best picture as well, which that that one I think makes a little more sense um, just in terms of like, okay, Avatar was not nominated for best picture you know back when it came out and all, all that top gun maverick i think uh it's i don't think it doesn't make sense i think the movie is very good uh it's a very good blockbuster all that kind of stuff it's rare for like a sequel to get nominated for best picture and it's also rarer for a sequel to a movie that did not get a best picture nomination <laughs> top, top gun one was not like a critically like big like you know people liked it it was a hugely financially successful movie but it wasn't right. like a critical favorite uh in 1986 and so top gun maverick is and <laughs> Yeah, it just has been talked about a lot. Uh, And so, yeah, kind of cool to see it uh, sneak into the best picture race here, too. Yeah, that's exciting. We all know Tom Cruise is saving the movies. So, like, of course, they got to acknowledge that. Um, Exactly. (laughs) So that's exciting. Uh, I don't think it'll really have a chance to win, but no, I don't think so either. But it's it's there. You know, it got got in there. And, uh, you know, it's it's got a few like other like, you know, sound nominations and all that kind of stuff, I think. Uh, So it's it's got some other stuff in there. It actually is also nominated for adapted screenplay, uh, which is wild. What? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. I mean, screenplay is pretty good. You know, it's it's not bad. Uh, Glass Onion is also in there, too. So that's cool. The the screenplay category. Triangle of Sadness, I think, was my biggest surprise, actually, out of the the best picture nominees. Yes. uh, Which is a movie I really really liked. I placed it at number nine on my top ten of the year. But everybody that I've talked to in my life who has seen it didn't like it as much as me. Really? <laughs> uh, but it got nominated for Best Picture. It got nominated for Best Director. Uh, they recently announced a Criterion Collection Blu-ray coming out. So uh, I'm on the right side of history here, I think, with, tri- <laughs> with Triangle <laughs> Set. <laughs> I think so, too. I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, otherwise, I, I'll run down the Best Picture nominees. You got All Quiet, you got Avatar, Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking are your, your 10 Best Picture nominees. And again, I've seen eight of them. We'll see the other two pretty soon. But I think it's a pretty solid list right there. Yeah, I'm definitely really intrigued by uh, Women Talking. I've heard it uh, come up on a couple of like end of the year favorite 
top 10 list kind of thing yes. podcasts and stuff. Um, but I haven't gotten a chance to see it or like find out where it is available yet. But I definitely do want to watch it. It sounds really uh, intense, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's supposed to be very, very good. Uh, and so, yeah, those are your 10 Best Picture nominees. Of course, the Mike Awards are already out and the winners have been announced for those. Uh, my alternate Oscars that I do every year. And so you can consult my Twitter account uh, for... <laughs> the full rundown of the Mike Awards. Uh, yes, which, congrats to the winners. Yes, congrats to the winners. I will update those if I see a movie that like deserves to get a nomination over something that I nominated, uh, you know, but yeah, is what it is. <laughs> I also do like to say, to see uh, Mia Goth stir in the pot uh, about, about not being nominated for uh, for Pearl. Oh, did she say something? She had like a thing about like the Oscars. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically like, you're like, oh, what was the... I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically like you're losing out on like a significant part of the culture by refusing to acknowledge that horror movies are films. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, fair enough. You need to include them and stuff like that, which is fair because she's amazing in Pearl. I don't know she, if she would win, but like I could see a nomination in there. You know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think she is phenomenal in Pearl and uh, I, I nominated her for a Mike Award, so I'm ahead of the curve. There it is. Uh, but uh, also I just saw Infinity Pool this past weekend and uh, I'll talk about that more in an upcoming discussions episode probably. But yeah, she's incredible in that movie too. She is truly killing it uh, right now. And nice. uh, I'm very excited for Maxine. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we're living in the Mia Goth future, you know? Yes. The Gothiverse is, is where we're at right now. <laughs> but all right. That's the Oscar nominees. Mike, any more thoughts on uh, anything that's been uh, that's been nominated or anything like that? Um, why no more Triple R? You know, like if we got yeah. all quiet on the Western Front, why not all Triple R? <laughs> yes. I, mean, I know that Triple uh, R was not... Um, so India submitted a different movie for the International yes. Feature Award, and I don't think that movie got nominated. Uh, <laughs> but it would have been nice to see Triple uh, R get in there. Yeah, that, that that movie did not get nominated for Best International Feature Film, but Triple R was eligible for other awards. It was not eligible for obviously Best Original Song because it got in there with the Natu. Uh, there was talk that like SS Rajamouli might get nominated for Best Director, uh, and that didn't happen. But uh, yeah, it was it, it would have been nice to see. It would it would have been a really cool move on the Oscars part. <laughs> yeah, that would have been like a you know. Look, we do acknowledge the culture and stuff kind sure. of moment, uh, but we'll take original song. Yes, original song is is a good start at least. They're they're, they're waiting until Triple R three comes out to honor the trilogy. Yeah, know, like, fair, fair. Like with Lord of the Rings, like they they gave Return of the King best picture when it came out as like you know okay we honor the achievement now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Even though we all know Fellowship is the best movie, um, is <laughs> that a hot take. take? Is that a, is that a hot take? I think Fellowship is the best of the three. Um, I think they're all great, and I can't pick a favorite. Okay, fair enough. I also have not watched them in like ten years, uh, so I really couldn't <laughs> couldn't yeah. speak to it that much. Uh, but I remember last time I watched them, which is around the time the Hobbit movies came out. I was like, oh yeah, Fellowship is is the best one here. It's very very good. I think it helps that it's the shortest one. <laughs> that, yeah, that doesn't have like fifteen different endings that I have to choose from. Um, but anyway, yeah, any. Final Final predictions, Mike. I, I, my prediction is that Everything Everywhere will, will, will win Best Picture, but Steven Spielberg will win Best Director for the Bailmans. That's insane. That's. I mean, you I think you're. I don't think you're wrong, but I'd be so fucking mad. Um, <laughs> I think. I think that'd be a good. You know, he hasn't won Best Director since Saving Private Ryan in '98. It, it's been. A, it's been a long time. Fablemans is great. It's one of his best movies in years, uh, and it could be like a, a career capping Best Director win kind of thing. He'll make more movies. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, no, he he will. I haven't and seen the so Fableman, so I don't really know. Uh, the, the Daniels will also make more movies. <laughs> yeah, but they won't be as perfect as Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I I think I, I hope Everything Everywhere All at Once wins 
best picture, obviously. What about like the editing and cinematography and all that stuff? For some reason, I like those are like the ones I like love knowing about who won that and all that sure. stuff. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, who's best editing. I mean, I I think Everything Everywhere should and will win that award. I okay, can't I wasn't. I yes, I agree, and I wasn't positive they were. It was nominated. Yes, <laughs> was, uh, no, it's it's nominated. It's there with uh, Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Tar, and Top Gun. Uh, so I, I think everything everywhere should be the easy winner for that award. Uh, yeah. it's, I mean, just, just the sequences where they're kind of flipping through all the different multiverses and all the kind of stuff. And you know, it's, it's the editing is truly next level in that movie. It won yeah. the Mike award for best editing. Oh, thank God. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so at there's least that. there's that. Yes. And then for cinematography, uh, it's all quiet on the Western front, Bardo, Elvis, empire of light and tar. Uh, so everything everywhere is not in that category. Interesting. Of those, I, I have not seen all quiet or Bardo or empire of light. Actually, I've only seen Elvis and tar. I would give it to Tar. Tar's very Tar looks great. It's Tar uh, does look really great. Tar, Tar um, looks really good. I think it's it's very like quiet and muted. It's not like loud in the way some of these other ones are, but it looks fantastic. Yeah, that's definitely the thing about everything. Uh, not um about All Quiet on the Western Front is that it is this like somber, obviously like meditation on the the destruction of war and the plight yeah. of the soldier, but like also sort of an action movie. It's really fascinating. Okay, uh, in that respect, where it has like really like like energetic and sort of aggressive editing and, and filming of, of the war scenes uh, yeah. to, 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 you know, contrast against the quiet human moments they have between the ba- battles. Uh, All right. Hashtag analysis, you know? Yes, there you go. <laughs> nice. All right. So that's the, uh, the Oscar nominations. And uh, we will talk more about this uh, when the Oscars happen. Uh, which is yeah. March 12th, March 12th. So we got a while. We got like at least a month and a half. That's uh, so early or no, it, it does feel a little bit early, right? Uh, is it always in March or is it in April? It's, I think it's usually, it was in April in 2021, I think, honoring the 2020 films because right. of like, you know, all the pandemic delays and because they uh, were also including the first two months of 2021 in there. Yes. Uh, but now they, I think March is like typically like early March to late February is kind of like when it's supposed to happen. Okay. But there you go. All right. And now we're going to talk about a movie that uh, will certainly be nominated for many, many Oscars. Maybe. Probably not. Uh, or at least a Fangoria Chainsaw Award. That's <laughs> a it. Chainsaw Award. <laughs> Which is really, other than the Mike Awards, the highest honor you can get uh, in, in Hollywood. And, of course, we are talking right now about Skinamarink. In this house. In this house. In this house. In this house. All right, that was from the trailer for Skinamarink, uh, the new movie uh, written and directed by Kyle Edward Ball. Uh, it's a 2023 film uh, starring Lucas Paul, Dally Rose Tetralt, Tetrialt, I don't know how to, how to say that, <laughs> Tetro, uh, Ross Paul, and Jamie Hill. 
Uh, so yeah, Skinamarink is this movie that has kind of been taken off in recent months. Uh, from what I understand, it played at a few festivals last year. At one of those festivals, uh, it got leaked and it kind of got online and various people kind of started sending it around. It got there on YouTube. It was on TikTok. It was on Twitter. People were seeing clips of the movie and all that kind of stuff. And it became a like heavily pirated movie in 2022. Uh, and as a result of that piracy, it may end up being like one of the most successful movies ever made, which is like a weird thing that has happened here. But basically because the the piracy and because people were kind of passing it around being like, oh, this is really scary. Uh, the movie got like some viral buzz and Shudder ended up picking it up uh, and they were going to debut it on Shudder. But instead they gave it like kind of a small theatrical release, like 600 screens or something like that. And the movie ended up making a lot of money. This movie had a budget of like $15,000 and it has made like over a million dollars. Wow. Uh, which that's that's like a lot of money. That's that's a huge chunk. That's that's a huge multiplier right there. You know, yeah. that's that's very, very good. Uh, and so I ended up seeing this at the Roxy. Uh, the Roxy Theater played this uh, for, uh, the Indie Theater in my house in Missoula, Montana, where I also work. Uh, we're still playing it right now, as a matter of fact. And uh, yeah, so I, I was able to see it in a the theater. Mike, I believe you watched it at home, correct? I did. I watched it at home. Um, I think it hit Shutter this week or next week. They just tweeted about it uh, oh, today. I saw. Yeah. Uh, they put a date on it, and I don't remember exactly what it was. But, uh, yeah, it's available, you know. Yeah, it is available, you know, in places. Uh, but it is, a, it is a weird case where, like, because the movie was pirated so much, it is now very successful, which is just a weird, like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, piracy is not inherently bad. No, yeah, yeah no, I, and I, I've very much come around to it, you know. It's, yeah. it's a, it, like, you know, bat, bat, like 10 years ago, or, like, when we, whenever we started this podcast, I was like, ah, you know... I'm against it. And now and now I see it as like a preservationist act almost because right. so much so many things just like kind of get lost to the sands of time. Uh, and especially like now when like places like HBO Max are just removing stuff from their streaming services and not putting it out anywhere else. Right. Uh, you know, finished TV shows are getting canceled before their seasons can air or whatever. It's it's sort of an important thing now yeah. to have it. It's- Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, without that, this movie wouldn't have, I think, be nearly as talked about as in, in successful. I guess you know, like you said, straight up made it, made over a million dollars on a fifteen fifteen thousand dollar budget. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been hearing about this movie for a long time. I think like on Reddit and and stuff, and like on the horror subreddit and okay. Shutter and things like that. People have just been like, has anybody watched have seen Skinnerink yet? Like you know, over like the last couple of months, and then like having huge argument not arguments, debates, discussions. Uh, about whether it's even a horror movie or like even a movie or even good or worthwhile, like at all this, these crazy things. Uh, so I've just been like, holy shit, this is fascinating. Um, and not really knowing anything about it. And then, and then hearing Ash on horror Vanguard named it as their f- number one movie of, of 2022. Um, right. Which he also mentioned in, in our podcast episode. Do you mean, or do yeah. you mean on his, okay. Yes. Yeah. He mentioned that one as his number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, holy shit, this is fascinating. So I'm, gl- I'm glad that you watched it. And then you were like, we should, we should do it for the pod because I probably would have gotten around to it eventually, but I didn't necessarily have like a, a fire to go see it. You know? Right. Yes. Uh, and so yeah, skin and is this very experimental horror film. And, uh, I do want to talk about the background of this a little bit, uh, with Kyle Edward ball, the director who I guess ran a YouTube channel where he, like he would kind of take comments from people. People would comment on the channel telling him about nightmares that they had. And then he would upload videos like recreating those nightmares, Whoa. like kind of doing like, you know, sh- horror shorts based on people's nightmares. And that idea that he was doing that for a couple of years. And then, 
then made this movie, which very much feels like, you know, it evokes the feeling of being like six years old and having a nightmare and trying to find your parents. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it just feels like, oh yeah, that all tracks. It all makes, <laughs> that all makes sense. Yeah. Well, cause so that's interesting because I, afterwards I was thinking after having seen this movie, I was like, there's either two things that are at play here. Either this was a guy who had an idea for a movie and realized he could only raise $15,000 and decided to change his idea to fit that yeah. or this is a thing this guy does for fun. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I was like, there's either two, either he had a normal movie idea and was like, fuck, what do I do? Or he was just has a nightmare brain. Uh, I guess he yeah. has a nightmare brain. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a little bit of both. I could think, be actually both. Yeah. too. It does remind me. I mean, you know, Fangoria has this, uh, I'm not sure if they still have it. Um, but S Craig Zoller, uh, used to write this column in Fangoria of like a, you know, homemade horror movies. And he would like highlight like three or four like homemade horror movies that like, you know, nobody's ever seen before, but like, this is pretty wild. Yeah. And Skin and Marink feels like it escaped from the pages of that column, you know? Right. I mean, were you even going to really talk about like the plot and stuff? Qu- plot air quotes, big air quotes sure, on plot? Yeah, big, big air quotes on plot. Cause this is a very experimental movie that gets by on vibes, but uh, yeah. <laughs> You, just, you have Thank no you, idea. I'll, I'll explain when you're ready. Okay, when you're done. fair enough. Um, but the, the plot of this movie, such as it is, is that there's these two kids, uh, one four-year-old and one six-year-old. Uh, they are in their house, and it is nighttime, and uh, they are looking for their dad. They can't find him, and as they're moving around the house, the doors and the windows all start to disappear, and there's this kind of demonic entity that they hear from every once in a while. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's for 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and much of the movie, like you never actually get like a good look at the kids. Like, you know, there's no like moment where they're on screen, like in their full body. Like at most you'll see like, oh, their arm like that is like uh, off to the side or something. Right. Yeah, like that's, Or like their legs walking down a hallway or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and much of the movie is just like the camera fixed looking at one spot of the wall, like the corner of the ceiling or whatever. Uh, and you're just kind of like looking at that for a while and it'll, and it, the movie is shot like it takes place in 1995 and it's shot with these very old cameras that like, you know, old V I think it's like old VHS cameras, or at least it's made to look like that. Yeah. And, and so as a result, like because of the graininess of that footage, like it looks like the darkness is moving a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. which creates a very disorienting feeling. Uh, I mean, it's a very, like I saw this with a pretty packed theater, like a, a very big crowd for skin and Marig. And it has to be one of the weirder films I've seen with a crowd, like, <laughs> like with a crowd of that size, like Normally, if I went to go see a movie like this, there would be a couple of people, maybe, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like not that many. Uh, but this feels like, you know, something that has like kind of t- taken sort of maybe not the world by storm, but like people who are into horror movies are like getting really into Skin and Marink. And it's a movie that I feel like people are seeing just because they feel like they have to have an opinion on it, where it's right. like, it, do I like this or do I hate it sort of thing? And I think, you know, we haven't even really talked about whether we like the movie or not. I, I came down on being pretty positive on it, uh, but it took me a little while to get there. I was like, <laughs> you know, uh, for the first half hour or so, I was like, do I like this? Like, am I like, yeah, <laughs> am I into this? And then there's the sequence, uh, where the, uh, they sort of find the dad by the bed and it's telling them to look under the bed, right? it's telling the girl to look under the bed. And, uh, at that moment I was like, kind of, I was in for the movie. Like I was in for the rest of it. And then I, the more I sat with it, the more I was like, this was very good. Like I, I liked it, <laughs> you know, that's like an hour into the movie. It takes so long. Um, yeah, but yes, I think I think ultimately I enjoy well enjoy is a strong word. Uh, yeah, thought this movie was good, but I don't know if I ever want to watch it again. 
Uh, yeah, you know? that's the thing. I feel like I, I will, like, if I watch it again, it'll be like 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, it's fascinating, too, because I, I wondered, I heard on um, Calls of the Dark, Elric Kane was talking about wondering if the movie would play better on a screen, like a TV or like a computer, because it has that right. lo-fi found footage, air quotes, you know, that kind of vibe where it is sort of a, you know, a low-tech, grainy, like you said, the image is kind of like fuzzy and warbly a lot. So like, it looks like there's stuff going on. And if you had that sort of like, I just found something I shouldn't have found kind of thing uh, while watching it on a computer, right. like, would that elevate it? And I think that did play into it while I was watching it. But if I was in that trapped in the dark in a theater thing where like I don't have my phone buzzing in my pocket and like my friends aren't like chatting in the discord on the, you know, like all that stuff that you could kind of look away for a minute or two and then you come back and they're like, yeah, I've missed something, you know, or whatever. Um, or or I've with come, this movie, you probably haven't. Um. Well, yeah, but but you come out of the hypno, like the hypnosis, the mesmerism yeah, you, of this you movie. You break the spell. Yeah. Yeah. So it had, I had that, which I know I like I fully admit is like a my fault thing but i i think seeing this in a theater with and to get to share that like uh communal uncomfort i assume this must have been with yeah people. I, th- I think uncomfort is a good way to describe it I, w- I would say about half my audience was pretty into it and the other half was very clear like cl- very clearly not into it yeah yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? and so that was pretty interesting i will i i do want to recount one thing that happened in the movie uh that sort of in the movie really in my audience mm-hmm. um but if this was after the scene where i was like all right i'm in like you know so I, i'm like in the movie and we've had like you know, a solid hour, like, you know, maybe an hour 15. I think we're close to the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, cause it's, it's like a, an hour and 40 minutes, something like that. It might be a tad too long, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes into the movie, whatever. And the movie has this like very, it's a very quiet movie. There's like not a lot of noise happening except when there is, and it's very loud and it's Fuck. very jarring. Fuck, right? It is very loud. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so I was watching it and I was with my girlfriend and we were seated together and it's a very quiet moment in the movie. And somebody behind me, had like left the theater and was coming back in and they tripped on their way back to their seats. No. And it was like such a loud noise that came from it that like me and several people in the theater jumped like, Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> before realizing that wasn't part of the movie <laughs> and before realizing it was just some guy tripping <laughs> uh, that's why movies but, should be seen in theaters yeah like we we had all been like so tense from this movie like just kind of getting into the zone of it that like that that thing like made us like oh my god like i i, I like, yeah. physically started <laughs> That's amazing. I did watch this with a few friends on Discord, too. Um, yeah. And one of them said at the end, like, uh, he didn't think he'd ever seen a movie that ratchets the anxiety up and then never stops. Like, it is never a not anxiety-inducing moment in the rest yeah. of the movie. And from the beginning, not even from, like, that moment with the a look under the bed thing, which is one of the scariest things I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, <laughs> this year, at least. Or very recently. Yeah. Um, Probably since Hereditary, I guess. So, but yeah, like, and I fully agree. Like, just, just the, just the decisions of the placements of the camera and what we're showing, and all of that was fascinating to have it be to show like a phone on a nightstand, and then we cut to looking up at the ceiling from the like top of the lamp on the nightstand. Yeah. And then so you hear somebody pick up the phone and dial like just telling like just that effect of like showing us this thing and then not showing us the person using it Mm. is creepy and weird. And you're like, no, but what? Like, look down. Show me what's going on over there. Uh, And and then just doing that, that that trick for 90 minutes uh, is it's it's incredible that that 
this movie is able to pull off that and like Legos scattering across across the floors, the scariest fucking thing in this whole movie. Yes. You know, like <laughs> what? Um, so that's amazing. Uh, but also I don't like having a 90 minute anxiety attack, you know? Sure. <laughs> Maybe I'll wait a while before I check this one out again. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, th- this really feels like it's a really cool experiment. Uh, and it's, yeah. you know, and that very much is what it is. Like, like I said, this is like one of the weirdest, most experimental movies I've seen with a crowd. Uh, one of the pull quotes on the poster, which I think is actually kind of accurate, is like, it's like if David Lynch directed Poltergeist or something. Uh, huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of true because it does actually kind of remind me of like watching Eraserhead for the first time and being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, movie like, why do I feel dirty? dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fa- it's it certainly is a fascinating experiment and experience watching it. Um, and it made me, I, I finally looked up the, the effect. I could never remember the name of. I think I've tried to reference it a few times recently and it's the Kuleshov effect, which okay. is the uh, principle that like an audience will gain, will uh, take meaning away from consecutive images back to back, which is basically like the founding principle of like editing a movie. But sure. um, it was, I it took me down the Wikipedia rabbit hole of basically uh, this guy, like this Russian psychologist guy in like 1910 or whatever, was like experimenting with film because you forget that it was new at one point, right? Right. <laughs> um, and he had this, um, it was this close up of a man's face and then it would cut to something and then cut back to the man's face. And there's three versions of it where he, once it cuts to a bowl of like food or whatever, like a plate of food. Uh, and then a different version, it cuts to a person in a coffin like at a funeral and then a different version, it cuts to like a saucy lady showing some ankle because it's 1910, you know? Yeah. And it, it's the close up of the man's face is the same, but audiences would think that he's hungry in the clip where he looks <laughs> at the bowl and then sad and then lustful. Uh, and it's like, Oh, if we tell like, if we show these things in certain orders, it means different stuff. Um, right. And that's sort of what this movie feels like. It's just like, you're being deliberately shown images in certain orders to exclude information and give you information and just, just fuck you up basically. Um, yes. and there's all of a sudden close up the one time you see a face, it's fucking horrifying in this movie. <laughs> Um, and then it's got the scariest last 60 seconds of anything I've ever seen also. Yes. Also, I do want to mention this too. Uh, when I saw this movie at the Roxy, uh, it, during that last 60 seconds, uh, the lights came on early. No, <laughs> uh, but it, it almost like weirdly made it creepier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause it was just like this, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> <laughs> So like the, the last like 20 seconds, cause there's no like credits to this movie. It just says the end, I think. Yes. Yeah. Cause uh, they're all at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there was like a weird, like computer glitch where like, you know, it's, it's supposed to go on at this point because this when the credits roll, but there was no credits. And so they, yeah. they just like, and so it was like a weird thing where it's like something went wrong. What happened? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, so the, the, that payoff, cause my, uh, a friend of mine pointed out like, or voiced this opinion that like that last 60 seconds or whatever, like absolutely pays off the, the whole hour 89 or whatever. Yeah. The previous 89 minutes. There we go. Of that like grainy VHS aesthetic to just it's, all of that is working towards these last 60 seconds. And it's like, wow, beautiful, like incredible singularity of a vision to get to a scare. Yes. <laughs> in the last 60 <laughs> minutes of this movie, um, 60 seconds of this movie. 
And yeah, so before you said just getting by on vibes, right? Uh, just yeah. Basically is what this movie is. So we have in one of my friends in our group chat, he's like a real logical guy. And I, I bag on him about like CinemaSins kind of because I don't know. I don't know if he's ever even watched CinemaSins, but that's how he a lot of times will talk about movies and be like, well, they say this thing in this scene, but then that doesn't line up with what they say in this other scene. And you're like, that doesn't fucking matter. Who can't like yeah. what? So I had to make, I made one of those like meme things that was like the Simpsons, like don't make me touch the sign, you know? Uh, and the sign is the proper way to engage with art is hashtag vibes, hashtag themes, hashtag aesthetics. And I said, anytime he starts a discussion about a movie, I just post that. So for you to say is just movie just basically gets by on vibes. Um, it's, you got me basically is what yes. I'm saying. Uh, it, it kind of does. Like, there's really oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. like there's like we ta- said like there was a quote unquote plot, but like there's really, it's just like, you know, you're going to be staring at a wall for 10 minutes. Like that's <laughs> how, how scared can you be by an unplugged nightlight? This yes. movie will tell you. Um, exactly. Just, uh, you know, with with like the sound of like old timey cartoons playing in the distance, you know. Horrifying. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely horrifying. Yeah. And the one that moment um, where it's like 30 minutes in, I think, where they're like, you know, they've gone down they're They're sleeping in the kitchen, the, the living room. And they're talking about why hasn't anybody come to like find us yet? You right. know, and then a chair gets dragged across the floor and it's the loudest thing that's happened in 30 minutes. And I've like <laughs> almost fell out of my chair. Like it's terrifying. <laughs> you get so lulled into the vibe and the, and the aesthetic and the whole, just we're in this uncomfortable, weird place with these two kids that don't really know what's going on. And right. then bad shit starts happening and it's wild. Yes. And, and because you don't ever actually like see the faces of the kids on screen for the most part, right? They're just, you're kind of seeing their disembodied body bodies or whatever yeah uh like it, it, it places you in the shoes of those kids essentially and it really kind of it like i said it kind of evokes that feeling of like you're six years old and having a nightmare and you like go to your parents room uh right but like the journey to your parents room is also terrifying <laughs> right or like you get there and they're gone like how yes. fucking like what like, would you do yeah when you're six years old that'd be so fucking scary uh yeah. you'd wake up your brother and can we sleep in the living room and then maybe get eaten by a demon or whatever? Uh, right. <laughs> uh, and the voice, the vo- the the audio in all of this is so fucking scary. Watching yeah. it, I mean, I guess it would play the same with uh, in the theater, you know, with like a really good sound system and stuff. But like watching it with headphones, uh, sure. it's just like everywhere. The voice, like the, the especially the scary voice, uh, yeah. like it is not directional at all in the mix. It's just all of it. <laughs> Um, so it's really horrifying is what I'm getting at. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a wild ride, man. It's, it, <laughs> it yeah. truly is. Uh, and it is one of the, it, like, it was one of those things where I was like, sort of almost like skeptical of the movie going in. Not that I was like, you know, thinking like, ah, oh, this is going to suck or whatever. But like, I, I had seen like enough reactions both ways, yeah. uh, where people were like, this is like not really for me, but I'm glad it exists. Cause it's like weird and experimental and it's playing in multiplexes right now. Like this is playing at regal theaters, yeah. you know, weird that that's happening happening but I, I had seen a lot of people being like oh, yeah this like uh, it's for some people but it's not for me and I, I wrestled with it for a while like again that first like half hour when I was just kind of like watching it and being like all right so, some kind of shoe is gonna drop at some point right and it sort of does but like not really uh, and <laughs> you know you're you're seeing these like event every once in a while there'll be like a very scary moment but it's really just about like kind of building that sense of dread and once that like first really scary moment hit me I was like all right like I'm in I, I feel that dread now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When it basically that scene with the the looking under the bed is like some of the most tension in a like 
you know, that I've experienced or watched in a really long time. And, uh, and the, just the escalation of all of that, you know, with it eventually ending with a blood splatter being like plated reverse, like yeah. shown and then re- just over and over and over again. Yeah. And then shown and then reround and then shown. And I love the setup of that with like 10 minutes earlier, you see the cartoons do that happen. Yes. Um, and the cartoons as like a, just a background aesthetic thing is fast, fascinating choice. Um, wild shit, man. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, also the, uh, crazy the telephone toy was very scary holy that, shit yes intense <laughs> um but uh there's also uh, there's the scene where the kid is talking to the operator on 911 oh my god uh right and he's like okay and he's like kind of trying to talk the kid through it and all that kind of stuff and then that's kind of like uh that, i think that, that the phone turns into the telephone toy right is that something something that happens yeah so he's talking to the the operator and the operator is asked i think eventually asks because he's whispering to the operator and he says like why are you whispering is someone else in the room with you yeah and there i don't think there's an answer and then it like turns to look the flashlight turns and looks down at the floor and it's the phone toy and then you never hear the operator again so like i think he was talking to the toy is how i interpreted that Mm -hmm. um like that was never happening yeah because earlier in the movie they try the phone and it's just the busy signal like it's true yeah and then they fucking like smash zoom onto the face of the toy how could just, a child's toy be that scary? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, it, it really truly is like remarkable what this movie does with its budget. Like again, $15,000, like it's, it's basically nothing. Like so, yeah. so much of the movie is just like, I'm going to point a camera at the wall for a while. And uh, hold a flashlight. It's not even yeah. lit. It's just a flashlight. Yes. And somehow it is able to evoke that tension and create something truly nuts and uh, it's it's great that it's getting recognized in the way it has i think there's a lot of different ways to interpret how the movie plays some of its scares there's a, there's a moment towards the end where it like reads like just text on screen this is like 572 days oh and yeah like, i forgot about that yeah and it's like what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> has this kid been trapped for two years <laughs> i think they were trapped for two years um <laughs> Yeah, and then when uh, when Kevin, the boy, finally goes upstairs and he's is on the ceiling and it's just everything's upside down. Yeah, the fuck, man! Everything's yeah. topsy turvy in this world, man. <laughs> yeah, cats and dogs living together. Um, Mass hysteria, horrifying. Um, so yeah, Skin Rink is quite an experience. I guess we kind of spoiled a lot of it. Maybe yeah, I'll, I'll tell Kyle. I mean, Kyle, if you're editing this podcast right now, which I assume you are, uh, <laughs> please uh, put a spoiler warning at the top. Yeah. of the podcast just to tell people like, yeah, there will be spoilers for Skinner Marie. <laughs> yes. We, we messed that up. Our bad. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. I don't know if I'm ever, when I'll ever watch it again. Um, but it, it's interesting. I haven't watched, I haven't watched Terrifier 2 yet, but I feel like these are kind of of a piece of akin, like just kind of that, that ground swell of support, you know, like grassroots. Like the, the word of mouth has like kind of spread it around and everything, right? Yeah, just like kind of came out of nowhere, was supposed to just be a small thing, like, you know, Terrifier 2 was a, a Kickstarter movie, right? Or something, right. a crowdfunded movie at least. And then somebody decided to give it a chance in theaters and just let it run and it made, I forget how much fucking money, but similar thing off a couple thousands of dollars. I think it did pretty dollars. well, yeah. And I, I have also not seen Terrifier 2 yet. Uh, from what I understand, it's a very different movie than Skinner Marink. Um, no, yeah. Just in yeah. terms of like how wild it gets and like how, like it's 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 a big blood splatter movie. It's a lot of yeah. big kills. And this movie is very quiet. Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, we've, t- I mean, we talked about this a lot sort of in our end of the year recap thing. Like what a great year for like, kind of indie horror or just horror in general kind of getting the yep. popular support that everyone claims it doesn't get uh 
<laughs> and then we have Smile, Terrifier 2, now this. Uh, I don't think this will make as much money as that, obviously, those movies. Sure. But on a budget of $15,000, any money is a profit. So Yes, yeah, it did, did pretty well, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to give people even more nightmares once I hit Shudder, yeah. uh, which I guess will be pretty soon. Yeah, very excited for that, too. Um, Shudder, Goon, uh, fucking man, I'll be so mad if AMC kills that shit. <laughs> I'll be so bad. Uh, you're saying that because re- recently AMC did lay off a bunch of people, including several people who worked at Shutter, right? Is that yeah? What's, uh, a lot of the top people at Shutter uh, got laid off, and I was ju- I was just reading a thing about um, this was on my mind because I was reading a thing about TCM, and I think what's the guy at, at Discovery or whatever that is now oh, in charge? Uh, w- Warner Brothers. Disco- oh, uh, Zaslav, right? David Zaslav. I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he was his, if it was him. Somebody made a statement that like TCM is safe. Like, don't worry. And which then, like, means a week, that, yeah, didn't didn't people get laid off recently from TCM? Right. So that's yes. that was the article I was reading. Was like they're saying this because they probably watched TCM, and yet they have laid like a a ton of people at TCM Underground. Like a bunch of people did get laid off at TCM. Yeah, Criterion also, which they're not related, but you know what I mean. But so I was just thinking about like, man, I'm so still there. I will never forgive that was warner brothers that killed filmstruck um, right but now discovery if they kill hbo max or whatever kill all this shit and then amc of course laying off a ton of people at shutter sure. it's like just let things exist yes <laughs> i'm just going to be mad forever at every corporation Basically. which is a, which is a fair thing to be that's kind um, of my normal state anyway yeah. uh all right so that is skinnamarink mike any other thoughts about uh, skinnamarink before we wrap this up um I, I think it's just like a weirdly inspiring movie, you know, not that I like necessarily have the like urge to make a movie, but it's pretty fucking cool that some guy could get $15,000 together and make this and, yes. here, and here we are, you know? Yeah. Um, so to anyone at home, I guess that has that just fucking do it. Go for it. Yeah, I guess just make know? it. Just See try what happens. it. Yeah. yeah. Give it a shot. Uh, but all right, there you go. That's going to rank Mike. Where can we find you online this week? You could find me at MD film blog on Twitter and letterboxd. Uh, if you would like to donate to support the show, you could do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike pods, plural. Cause we have two podcasts. Uh, I put a goal up there. I think it was $50. You want a movie? You want to pick a movie for us? It's 50 bucks. Go ahead. <laughs> we can't stop you. There you um, go. Yeah. In fact, if we you, encourage you. Uh, yeah, if you give us $50, we will watch a movie and talk about it on the podcast for you. Correct. <laughs> Uh, and while you're, while you're doing that, go buy some merch, buy some stickers, buy a t-shirt, sweatshirt, yeah, do it all, uh, do it all, baby. You can do that at Redbubble, which is, uh, Mike and Mike pods redbubble.com. Nice. You can find me online at, uh, Emma Smith film blog on Twitter, Mike Smith film on Letterboxd radio, Mike sandwich, Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to Mike, Mike go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike pod. You can find the rest of our podcast and rapture press alongside many other podcasts, about all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Next week, speaking of, uh, buying an episode, uh, by popular demand, and we're talking Billy Wilder's Stalag 17. I think it's Stalag, not more than I think about it. Um, Is it Stalag? I mean, that, that makes more sense. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, POW movie that we know nothing about other than Billy Wilder. So Yes, and I believe William Holden also is uh, is in this there movie we as well. But yes, Jake, uh, frequent donor to the show, uh, he uh, wants us to do this one, so we are doing this one. That's right. Buy an episode. Go ahead. Yes, we dare there you. Go. <laughs> go on Kofi. Give us 50 bucks. In the meantime, The Complete Works uh, just released its episode on Moonlight Express from 1999, and uh, next week, it's a big one, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's right. First time I've ever seen it. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's true. I am. Uh, we're going to be recording that episode in just in just a few minutes i'm very curious to hear uh what you thought of it i'm guessing you thought it was good yeah it's pretty good pretty neat yeah, yeah. <laughs> preview for my thoughts for the episode there you go. 
All right, next week, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. Hell yeah. Cop with a trailer. Yeah. You can't imagine what the trailer to this movie is. I've seen it because uh, I, I saw it at the Roxy. It's just a... Oh. Uh, it's it's weird because it, it's like a voice saying like in this house like over and over and over again, oh. um, which is why I did that at the beginning. But the phrase in this house is never once in the movie. <laughs> Not one. I was kind of confused. Like I knew it was about Skinner Rink, but I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but that is from the trailer. Yeah, which is weird. It's a weird thing because uh, <laughs> like this is all still off mic. Um, yeah. it's a it's a weird thing because like er- Cheryl has this like phrase that she like does every once in a while where she'll say like in this house. Um and then I, and then I'm supposed to respond back like oh we love Lucky yeah because like we have the cat it's like in yeah. this house we love Lucky right I that's, get it. that's the thing and so when we were watching the trailer and it kept saying in this house and she like turned to me like we love Lucky <laughs> 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 and it deflated any uh yeah <laughs> any tension that's gonna ring might have had <laughs> none none whatsoever <laughs> that's really funny all right Kyle you can put all that in the end if you want that's that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty solid <laughs> anecdote.